Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of A Couple With Mental Health. I hope you've got your teas, coffees, brews. In this weather I'd say iced tea. I know we've had a long stint of warm weather so I will again, like I always say, I will excuse and forego the uh, hot drinks and for swap it out for a cold one. <laughs> Make sure there's extra ice in it. Um, today I have another guest. I would like her to introduce herself. Hi, my name is Latrina George, and I'm the author of Download Your Truth, Four Steps to Living Within. Uh, that book is actually about my personal life story of finding my truth and becoming authentic to oneself. Um, I love to share, and that's my passion as a transformational coach, is to help relieve people of their own mental prison, to learn your truth and to thrive in that truth and not live by only surviving. Um, I coach individuals who usually have been through some type of life-challenging experiences. Mm -hmm. um, in my book, I explain the life challenges I went through and how spirituality has always been a point, my grounding, my anchor, um, when challenging times happen. So in the book, I make a lot of references to different spiritual teachers um, and also uh, I am a person that uh, was a Christian and um, I make reference to the Bible in, in, in my um, story. This were certain scriptures was my grounding, my footing. So matter when life challenges hit me, that is where I, I ran to. And I just held on to that word, even though it may be no evidence that anything was happening or anything was changing in my life. I just believed that things will get better. My story will, you know, end very well. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I really believe truly that no matter what life challenges, you have to have some type of grounding and putting, knowing that this is not the end of my story. So, my story goes on and it's a successful story. Well, that's really good to hear. So you say your story, what is your story regarding mental health? Regarding mental health, my story starts very, for me personally, very young age. Um, I remember when I was like around six years old, I heard my mother on the phone talking to her girlfriend. And she said me and my eldest brother were the stronger of her children. Okay. And at that point, that six-year-old girl dressed in her little yellow cute <laughs> outfit. Oh, knew that I was strong. And so when I went to school, I knew my mother didn't need to be worried about me because I was strong. So mm -hmm. in a way, it was very good, but also I put extra pressures on me to show up as yeah. a good student, a good child. So my mother would not be concerned about me. Yeah. Um, and then it didn't happen until later when I got into corporate America. Um, me being strong, I kept a lot of things inside. So I had a mentor of a company, and she was one of the vice presidents of the company. And she's like, Latrinda, why don't you share information? But at that point, I knew I was strong, and it didn't matter what others thought of me. But I kept everything inside. Mm -hmm. um, having the gift at the young age of being very intuitive. And so I used to get all these intuitive hits and be able to tell family members about individuals who had passed long before me that I never met. Mm. And one of the things was that, what do I do with this? And so my family just took it as, oh, this is just who she is. You know, she just gets those things. She just dreams those things. She just feels those things. Because I could feel other people's energy very, very strong. Yeah, I understand that. And 
I could be in, in crowds and environments or I remember my mother and father having parties and I was able to tell what was going on in others' lives. And my mom was like, how does she know that? You know, but they downplayed it at a point because they got so used to me saying things. Yeah. I realized that young age for my Hey, I didn't understand why I was able to understand these things. Yeah. But it taught me to be strong to protect that gift. Yeah. That that mental health piece had to be very, very strong and powerful because I had heard my mom say I'm strong. So I had to mentally, I knew I always had to be strong. That is a lot of pressure, though. Yes. So at a very young age, not being able to understand that. Um, how did you deal with that pressure? Because that could easily go one way or the other because from my own experiences being told I was always the strong one as well it felt mm -hmm. like I had to burden everybody's everybody's problems and I couldn't speak about my own because I had to be the strong one I had to be the one to look after everybody did you feel the same way yes Lena I totally identify with that I felt that I I had to be totally strong I had to be totally strong and being able to help everyone out. So I think at a younger age, I put a lot of my dreams off because I knew I had to be there for everyone else. And then later on, as I went through personal development and spiritual development, I learned that I can be there for others, but their boundaries, but they would not be codependent on me. So I had to set those boundaries. How did you go about setting those boundaries? Because that's very hard. Like I, I know mine, myself, and many others that saying the word no is immediately a negative thing. But as I've grown up, I've known that saying no sometimes has to be done. How have you made that transition of going? You know what? I'll, I'm, I'm here to help everyone, but actually, I need that boundary. I need that no level where you can't cross. I had to start saying yes to me more. So if I wanted to do something and someone else had a problem, an issue, and I knew that there was something they really needed to resolve for themselves, mm. I would still stop and give guidance, but I was not the doer. That's I stopped trying to save others and say yes to what I had planned for that day or what I was working on. I think you hit a very good point there when you said it was you weren't going to be the doer, as it's they had to be the doer. I think that's a lot. When people try to help and you have, if you have such a service to others, you want to help so much, but then you don't realise that you're doing too much and they're no longer receiving help. You're literally just doing everything for them. And knowing the difference between helping and allowing them to, like, guiding them to allow them to figure out how to do it themselves is the main point of seeing them get, be able to put that boundary in and stop so that you can go, you know what, you're not taking too much from me and you're also learning how to do it yourself. Yes, that, that was it. Because before I came to that realization, I was the doer, right? Mm -hmm. I, wanted to, I wanted to help save you. I wanted you to be able to be open up 
and see the positivity or the lesson you're learning. Mm. So it's like I was trying to control the situation for them um, instead of allowing them to put the effort in. It'll be more lasting for them to accomplish that. It's like you get overprotective and don't realize that you're actually doing too much. Yes, exactly. You realize that, and that took a long time for me to get there. Um, you know, at a young age, being learning that you're the strong one in the family, it was like, okay, this is my family. These are the people most closest to me. I want to be there for them. I want to help them. I get this. Yeah. And you want to see them succeed. You want them happy. And so learning to back up a little bit and say, you know what? This is for you. This is something you have to learn. This is something you have to do. But I'm here as a support, mm-hmm. just not the doer. Yes, I think I think that is important. So as you, you said you've learned that as you've gone along. Um, how was it from going from a kid knowing that you're strong and you're, you're, you know, everybody thinks that you're strong, but you've also got your own stuff as you're growing up and your own mental health to manage. I mean, how did you go from growing up knowing you've got a strong and be and shoulder and think that you've got to shoulder everybody's burden to the place that you are at now. Cause that, that must be an incredible story. Oh yes. I think that story, um, arose from, as you said, as a young child being the strong one, but after some things happened in my family in 2004, I lost 14 individuals very close to me. Yeah. And one of them was a girlfriend that um, we was next door neighbors. I mean, we actually learned our colors together. <laughs> my mother taught us our colors. Oh. My mother used to babysit her. And when she was dying, a couple of days before she died, we, the week before I took her to the hospital, she told me, don't bring me back to this hospital. And she said that, you know, she reminded me, that cancer is not me. Cancer is in my body, but it does not have me. Yes. And it's time for me to leave this body because this body is diseased, but I'm not diseased. And so at that point, I agree with her that we, you know, if she got sick, we wouldn't bring her back to the hospital. We'll just let her, you know, transition. And so I was holding her in my arms when she died. And she had two little kids. And it, it was a very painful experience, but it was very eye-opening to me. Because she made me realize that I'm not my challenges. I'm not other people's challenges. I'm separate from all that. And that awakened me to a higher level of consciousness um, to really understand that when things happen, when experiences happen, they don't define me. Um, and, And being able to clear myself from other people's experiences, right, to protect my own energy because I identify with the term empath. And so... A lot of times with identifying with that identity, I'm not saying I'm limited to that identity. Yeah. I'm just identified with those traits. I realized that I have to protect who I am. I have to protect my own spiritual space, my own being from other people posing things on me. And that was part of my journey to really learn because as a young kid, I didn't know anything about uh, those characteristics um, of an empath and, and why I feel and do the things I do. But as I grew older and when I was going through college and after I got out of college and taking care and lost all those people in 2004 and then 2014, I lost another 10 individuals. So it's like 
one year, you know, 10 years later, I'm, I'm back again doing an obituary mostly every month. Because I'm that support system in the family mm-hmm. and also considered strong still, <laughs> um, I'm always the person that call upon when it comes to when individuals transition to other words and just to be their support. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just, it was me hitting rock bottom. Yeah. Um, I had worked in real estate um, and when the real estate market tanked in the U.S., um, I got hit very hard and then I had started my business, was doing very well at age at 30 at that time. Cause in my twenties, I was just a party. I partied all the time. Most <laughs> I, was, 20 year you know, I got out of college and I, the party just kept lasting. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a lot of drinking, a lot of hanging out, you know, but when I got closer to my thirties and I knew I wanted to start a business so as I talked, taking a lot of courses about starting entrepreneurship and reading a lot, a lot of personal development, um, spiritual development books, going to different seminars and webinars and just really reaching out to find out who I am and what I want to do. Because I knew to my life at that point, I was living for others. I wasn't living for myself. Yeah. So I was just surviving. Most of my jobs were based on a financial need. They was not like out of passion. Yeah. Um, my parents separated when I was in fifth grade. And um, so when it came to go to college, I knew my mom could not afford to send me. So I kicked my butt to get a scholarship. And when I decided on the colleges that accepted me, I didn't decide on based on a career path that I felt passionate about. Mm. It was who's going to give me the most money to go to school. Cause I know my mom can't help me. Quite an awesome um, one, that one. Yes. <laughs> and so I, a Big Ten college accepted me. They gave me the most money. And that's where I went and got my degree. But at that time, even when I entered college, I said, OK, I'm going for accounting. I want a degree in accounting. I always was good in math. Hmm. Um, and I had did really good in my accounting courses in high school. And I wanted to be a CPA. That's yeah. what at first I wanted to be. But however, I had this part of me that wanted to help others in a greater way. You know, so I used to sit, I remember when I was in high school, I used to sit upstairs, my bedroom was upstairs, and I would look on the rooftop of all the neighbors' homes, and I thought about every person's careers in the neighborhood, and I said, I just don't want a life like that. When you go to work, you come home, and every day seems so mundane. You're doing the same thing, and you live for your weekends, and I wanted to be free. And so... It was me understanding, okay, this is not the path I want. I didn't know how to get there, but I knew I didn't want that to be my story. So when I went to college and my counselor said, oh, my God, you did so well in the sciences um, on your exam. You should go into engineering. You know, it's a program. Minorities, there's really a demand for them um, in engineering. And so I I listened to my counselor. You know, here's this person giving me guidance. He may see something that I don't see. Yeah. Even though I had no desire for engineering, <laughs> I went on and started the industrial engineering program. I got into about my second or third class. I was like, this is not me. This is not going to work. <laughs> and, and so I said, you know what? I want to learn more about me. Um, being an African-American woman in school, you didn't learn a lot about your history. It was like February was the month and that was it. Like, yeah. you know, you said the February and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I, I switched my degree to African-American, African-American studies. Because at that time, I was trying to learn my history. 
Yeah. Um, I always like reading. I want to know more. I mean, I had great oracles and educators in my family. Most people in my family is in education, higher level education. And but I want to know more. I, I need to expand myself to a greater knowledge. And so I said, you know what? The school's paying for my education. I'm going to learn more about me. <laughs> and that is a point I think was a tipping point to learn my truth. Yeah. You know, and so that's where that started um, with that process of, okay, I'm strong, but I think that if I know from whence I came, it's nowhere I can go. That's a, that's one hell of a decision to make. Mm-hmm. And that's always been my quote that I stood on. And having that foundation, I think, helped me. In, it's like it was a protection for me when others came against me. So as I worked in corporate American leadership, mm-hmm. there on, when individuals judge you in corporate America, and corporate America can be very, it could be a good thing where you learn talents and skills, mm-hmm. but you have a lot of different individuals with a lot of different issues, and a lot of individuals can be um, insecure. Um, and if you don't have a grounding in who you are, you know, you can really find yourself in some type of mental prisons or you oppose other people's opinions on you, you let them weigh more than what you think of yourself. You get sucked in. Yes. You get sucked in. Very true. And so I think that from that being that strong person to understanding that I need to lay a foundation. I really need to know who I am, learn more about me. So I begin to take more courses um, about personal development and just learning who I am and what I like. And, you know, like we know, it's a lot of different spectrums on personal development. Everyone has their own way of relaying the information. But learn to take the bits that meant to me because I'm very intuitive. I was able to pick up, okay, this is good for me. That's not good for me. You know, and yeah. not saying it's not good for someone else, but just to apply to my own story of being able to meet the challenges that I faced, it was me being able to decipher through the information mm. and apply it to myself. That's that, that, I think that would uh, an incredible thing for, for most people is that, you know, taking the stance of going, right, I've gone through my life so far like this. I don't really know myself. So how am mm-hmm. I going to figure out what direction I want to go in if I don't know who I am at starting point? And I think to be able to go, right, if I want to know where I am at starting point, before I know where point B is, I need to know point A. And that's where, the, like you say, the, self, uh, the, the self-development and finding out your background and who you are to begin with so then you can go on that as I say, that is quite, that takes quite a lot of self-awareness to begin with, to be able to do that. Yes. Yes. I think that, I mean, that's something like, even with my children, I have two boys, a four-year-old, a seven-year-old. So every month we really study someone from their history that invented something or did something because I want them to be very assured of who they are and, and the things that they can accomplish in life. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to become self-awareness is it was very important because other people identify or put labels on you and 
but you got to be able to understand. I had to be able to understand through my story. Okay, who is Latrenda? What does Latrenda like? I think when you think about relationships, you know, I've had failed relationships, but me, I had to learn myself, I think, before I could have a good relationship. Um, I think for individuals to come together in a relationship, um, you need to know point A. As you stated, you yeah. have to understand point A, because then you understand who you are, what you want and what you need. And essentially what I you think, don't want as well. Yes. Yes. Very true. And then you're more unlikely to attract. You don't only you don't really have to seek it out. Once you become grounded in your truth, the opportunities, the relationships, they find you. Because your vibration is different. You're right. showing up different. Law of attraction. Yes. Yes. And see, I'm the person like law of attraction. And then when you lay to the Bible, ask and receive, seek and find, it's the same thing. It's just worded differently. Because some people will be more comfortable with it coming to them in that form mm. of law of attraction. And other people may relate to it in a more biblical way. So I... I I study a lot of different religions and different practices, and it's just amazing to me how different trains of thought are dissimilar. It's just a different words. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to mental health, I've noticed a lot of people do take a more spiritual view. Um, uh -huh. I, I, as you speaking about religion and, and spiritual in that sense, it's, some people go down the route of the universe. Some people go down the route of um, religion specific like Christianity, Buddhism and along those lines. But I do find the more I've looked into it, that the more they cross over paths. They all yes. have this, um, this thing of a greater good and a service to others. Yes, um, I think that's very true. I think that's the important part from it. I, I mean, with mental health, you are doing service to others. People who are helping with mental health are doing service to others as well as understanding that you do something good, you send out the good so it could ripple on. Um, yeah. I know for people with mental health issues, that's not always, it's not easy to see within good within themselves. So to reach out into something else gives them something to strive for? I agree. Um, I have a sister who's 10 years older than me who suffered from you know, mental health issues. Mm. And for her, it happened later on in life. She was in her 40s when mental health issues hit her. She was a successful woman making six figures. She was you know, recently married and she had got a new promotion. And it was like all the stresses of life. It's like she had a breakdown. Mm. Um, and her whole, she lost everything. Her, her husband divorced her, you know, took most of the money. Um, you know, she couldn't do her job anymore. Um, she was just stripped of everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was very hard for her to identify that this has happened to her because she was a very healthy person. Mm -hmm. um, she, ran, she ran marathons. She taught literacy, taught uh, people to read, um, and then she worked as a teacher for 20 some years. And then she had a career where she trained the teachers how to teach in the classrooms. And when all this came down for her, it was very hard for her to identify that she had a mental health issue. 
So mm. she's been battling this for 13 years, and it wasn't until uh, 11 years that she really accepted. So she fought it. She was very resistant to medication, mm. um, resistant to any forms of treatment or, you know, tell her, I don't need counseling because, you know, she remembered herself as being this person that performed and was strong. And, um, and then there was usually until people, you know, at average age, I think it's 14 that this thing may hit them. And then her, mm. she just, it happened when she was 41. And so a lot of doctors wasn't able really to, uh, it was enough studies when it hit individuals at that age um, to get the support, to give her the answer she felt that she needed Mm -hmm. to help understand it. But after so many uh, episodes and experiences that she'd been to, you know, because she was really resistant to stay on the medication long term. So she would have these ep- mental episodes and it was really damaging to the family because I'm her primary caregiver. And a lot mm-hmm. of times I may had to financially do things um, to help her. Yeah. With her different episodes and experiences. And I think with mental health, it you know really depends on when the issue hits you and and the support system you have to help you understand it. But when a person loses a lot um, and they're not able to identify, now her health is doing much better because she's able to. She accepted it. Her biggest thing was she needs to accept yeah. that what happened to her happened. Yeah. Um, and it's been a it's been an experience. Um, I think I. Through that experience, it, it taught me a lot. I was a lot of lessons learned, um, a lot of knowledge of how severe mental health issues are um, and how I'm so happy that you took this plight on because it's something that definitely individuals need to hear more about um, because no one can, when it happens later on in life, no one can prepare for that to happen. Um, you can't prepare for life to hit you so hard. And I think a lot of people, usually all of us, you know, suffer from depression at some point in our life. Yeah. Um, some type of experience. Everyone has some type of depression. Some, you know, you could be the heartbreak of your first love. It could be um, losing your job or losing your business. And, you know, depression kicks in. Yeah. And it's very important to you know, find out when you're down, I guess for my sister, I found out you found out really who's really there for you. Who's there to support you through thick and thin? Are they just around you because of the financial resources you have or your lifestyle or there's people that really care about you that's there for you no matter what? It, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is when it comes to mental health and they, they, there's such a... This, it, it's one of those things where the stereotypical thing of mental health and issues is it's all established when you're a, a kid and then you're like it's very Freudian in that view of it's all established as a kid blame your childhood there's something in development that that causes your mental health issues and then when it establishes in later in life and you can't so-called blame your childhood it makes it very difficult for it to be for not only for it to be understood by others, but to be understood and accepted by yourself. Yes. And I think that's when people in later life are more likely to reach out to something beyond them, whether it be a support system, whether it be a religion, whether it, whether it be sometimes just meditation. Something to mm-hmm. reach without, without themselves 
to give them something to focus on because there's so many squirrels running around inside their head. They need something to be able to focus on to give them a bit of clarity, to be able to look back into themselves, to be to be able to find that acceptance and understanding. Yes, I truly think you know getting them back to self love and self care, um, and then finding out, like you said, there's so many different things that can help you with mental health. You know, meditation if it's your religion or a support group or um, a confidant. You know, someone that can really help you, whatever resonates with you. And I think that's what individuals need to learn um, with mental health is that every avenue to your healing is not for everyone. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, being more open to different means to resonate with you that, you know, I may prefer meditation. Meditation may work for me. Mm. Um, and some people don't want to go to the support groups. I think like for my sister, support groups was not really something she felt comfortable with discussing because in her life, she never um, discussed her personal. She always kept everything personal inside. Yeah. And so... Being in the group, she's just sitting there like a fly on the wall until they force our therapists will force her to participate. Yeah. But it was nothing done willingly. No, but if you give her to a meditation, that, that, that gives her that grounding, that center where mm. she can kind of sort out her thoughts. So as you've gone in your journey and of self-discovery and and you've you've got, would you say you've got yourself to a nice, even balance now? Yes, I really truly believe that my balance now is more sincere, is more authentic. Um, being a person that, as a transformational coach, um, enjoying the experience of helping people transform to their better selves as I have went through my experience. And so knowing that I can relate my story to others and others can relate to me, um, it's been a gift because my mental health has been a blessing to be able to decipher through what is true for me and what's not true for me and being okay with that. So um, you've got a very good gut instinct then. Yeah, I think with my instinct is to understand that, to have that center and that grounding and that footing to understand that I'm not here in this world to for everyone to like me. I'm here to give love to the world the way I show up in the world and for those who want to receive that love they will receive it mm. and I am just to give up myself and only way I can give up myself is be authentic and true to me that means being involved in things that I'm passionate about things I care about and not feeling like I need to be everything to everyone else um and, and being okay with that and give from the point of the things that have helped me in life. Cause if I know if it has helped me, it can help someone else. Um, yeah. and only participate in things that are interest to me or things I want to explore and be okay with it. Just being okay with the flow of life and knowing that the more authentic I am to who I am, the more experiences that I can experience that I can enjoy. And as long as I'm in that place of enjoyment, I can give from my heart and I can speak from my heart and live that in that place. You, you, you touched on something um, um, about of pleasing of others. Um, 
the a lot of people seek validation within the happiness of others uh-huh. and that can be quite quite mentally destroying to be honest um if somebody was struggling with the idea of i need to put my boundaries in but i am still looking for validation from others how would you advise them well i would advise them first of all first we get to understanding of who they are and what they want out of life. How do they see themselves? How do you feel that you are? How do you feel you're not showing up for yourself? Because people cannot love you or be around you or accept you for who you are if you're not being you, right? They're falling in love. They're interacting with you based on the illusion of you because you are not being you. Yeah. So you're not even allowing people to love you from your authentic place because you're not showing up as authentic. So all your relationships are based on some type of falsehood or who you have allowed yourself to be, to interact because you took on what others thought of you or what others expectation as your truth. Oh, in, in, and, in many cases, people are too, when it comes to mental health, they're too scared of admitting they have these issues. So they, they put on a false pretense and get validation from others so that they don't have to show who they truly are or with flaws and all. Yes, yes. So we like we all have flaws. We all have things we need to work on, right? We never, I think, truly arrive to this perfect person um, because life experiences will happen, things will happen that never happen, and those are things to grow you. And so you're always growing, you know, even you're 99 years old, you're still growing. Oh, yeah. Um, and so when a person allows others to define them, you know, uh, I need to get married by this age. I need to have children by this age. You know, I need to work a corporate America job. You know, all these different things that society says to be successful, this is what you need to be. Mm-hmm. It's how do you define success? How is success true to you? What does that look like? You know, that could be a homemaker. That could be somebody who's a gardener. Um, they're passionate about it. They do a very good job with it. That's success for them. Yeah. But when you have others opposing what you believe to be true, it's one of two things you have to look at. You have to look at not only for yourself, or I think individual first, look at yourself. How am I showing up to this person for this person to be pointing their opinions on me so strongly that it's making me doubt who I am? Mm. Um, and so individuals, the hardest thing is to look in the mirror, you know, to really do the deep dive in the mirror and look at the depths of who you are and how you're showing up to others. How are you participating? What type of energy you're giving off? Because when we attract individuals and we have painful experiences, there's a reason why you attracted that person on your path. Yeah. There's a source of healing that needs to happen with you. It's a source of your mental state of what you believe about yourself. So we cannot always blame like this person, especially like in relationships or this person, you know, hurt me so bad, but how was you not showing up? Because usually I think we're all intuitive. We, you, you saw the red flags, but because of your emotional attraction of, of, of attraction or attachment to the person, you chose to ignore the red flags. Yes. That, that one, um, I'll be honest, rings true for me too. Um, yeah. I, it's, I've noticed within myself as I've gone through 
development within myself over the years because my journey only really started about five years ago um, and I've noticed that along the way I've met people that would challenge me at that level so they literally would mirror out what I was projecting so yes. then I would look I came across of just looking at that person going why does this person upset my mental health? Why does this person make me angry? Why does this person, you know, why why have I picked this person? Looking at, looking at the reasons why this person has either come into your life or has changed and made you frustrated because you'll find that the anger and the frustration that you see in them is actually within you and you're angry and frustrated at yourself. That's very true. Um, I know myself personally in relationships, it's like, okay, why do I start, you know, you begin to see a pattern in the individual you attract and what you was going through, your mental state at that time when you attracted that person in your life. You know, that was one of the things that you look after the fact, you know, after you didn't went through the situation and you're heartbroken, you cry, your eyes, I think, you know, you sit there and you think, okay. But that's one of the things that's good about being having that mental health and understanding that you always got to start with you. You always got to start a point of, okay, after you get all the crying, you get all done, where did, how did I participate in this? Yeah. What could I have done that had been different? Because the common denominator of it all is always yourself. And yes. taking responsibility, even if it is, yes, we, we all know we can be in situations that n nobody caused it onto themselves but there is a I always think there's a, an aspect of responsibility you have to take on because I can guarantee in most occasions you uh -huh. allowed that to carry on longer than you would have wanted to and even that within itself claiming that responsibility of that even though you know you, you don't beat yourself up about it you just go I take responsibility for that but I forgive myself for it I've learned from it I move on I, I agree 100% because the real desire is that everyone wants to be loved, right? You want yeah. to be loved in your personal relationships. You want to be loved by your family. If you're in your business or your career, you want to people to like you. You want people to enjoy your services. You want to give from a place of love. Yeah. And so it's all these external things that you want to love. You and You want to give love and you want to receive love from them. But the first love comes with self-love. Mm. It's that connection. It's that connection. I think people forget to connect with themselves. So how the hell are you going to connect with others? Yes, because I think when you go to school and you go to places, you're taught about serving others and doing all these great things. But there's no personal development taught in schools at a very young age that's about self-love. If your parents... Um, didn't get taught and they don't teach you and some parents do you know they're exposed to that but if you have parents it's just like okay you just work you just take care of life you take mm -hmm. care of your family it's not a taught of self-love and, and even if you're in certain you know religions if that was where you took the children it's, it's, it's about you know this this outside voice or this inside voice but it's no con connection really taught for children to understand the principle of self-love because when you have a grounding and fitting in self-love, you can determine what works for you and what not works for you at a very young age, and you're able to vocalize it. I also, um, I think, 
Go ahead. I, sorry. Mm-hmm. I also think within self-love, it's also understanding your own emotions. Um, yes. And not many children are taught that. Like, they're usually dismissed for being upset over something small. An adult will quite happily dismiss a, a child's feelings. And that's not really teaching them how to deal with their own emotions. I think if we were to able to understand emotions from a young age, not even from a mental health perspective, just a, a an understanding of sometimes you're upset, you don't know why. Sometimes you're happy, you don't know why. It, it's one of those understanding how you feel and how those emotions resonate within your body would mean that a lot of people, when they're older, don't have to discover what their emotions are. So it would open up a lot more to deal with mental health issues as well as understanding yourself and your gut instinct and your tuition to be able to go well this is my direction this is my pathway because I understand that my emotions are telling me this is correct and it's linking up with everything else as well as the logical side because they've both got to work together you can't run off just logic and you also can't just run off emotions you have to I think self-love also is the understanding that they both have to work together I agree a hundred percent. They definitely have to work together. And with the children, that's the difference of people, you know, be careful what you speak to me. Um, when you, I'm raising my children opposed to uh, teaching them and training them up in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. So when you raise children, you're just teaching them all the logical things they need to do to be a quote unquote successful life. Yeah. But when you're teaching your children that you spoke and you're training them, you're teaching them how to be logical and deal with their emotions and being able to express their emotions. Um, but the, the problem comes in is that you have to really spend time and labor in that with your children to teach those things because when they go to school, it's not being taught. No, it's not. And they spend most of their hours in school, <laughs> you know, and so that has a great influence on them. But at home, you really have to nail those points in and really listen to your children they have a voice you want to empower their voice you want them to be able to speak about their feelings you want them to at a very young age have applied against some type of mission some type of charity something that they feel that resonates to them um, and just paying a close attention and very watching your children find out what they like and where do their interests lie because children really communicate that in their own way and oh, it's yeah. really learning the language of your children yeah, I, um, overall, and you're through your journey of mental health, and sounds like you've, you've had a lot of of loss and a lot of a, a certain certainly amount to overcome. I mean, what has been like your main nuggets of wisdom throughout all of learning that? One of the greatest nuggets is to learn your truth. Take time to learn who you are. Um, that has been the pillar for me. I truly believe if I didn't have a sense of who I am, those challenges that I have overcame would have destroyed me. I probably wouldn't be here today on this phone call with you. I'm glad you If are. I had allowed <laughs> yeah, those challenges to, to define who I am. Hmm. And those experiences to define. She was saying, okay, I'm going to take this wisdom and I'm going to apply it and give it to the world. I think that's what promoted me to write a book, um, to share my experiences and to let people know that your dreams don't die just because a challenge hits you. You may have to modify it, Mm -hmm. 
the time frame may not hit your time frame. Yeah. But don't give up on you. Never give up Never on give up. you. Yeah. I I completely agree. So uh, what would be your three top tips for finding your truth and your true self? Uh, my tips in that and finding your true self to be identified is to really spend time listen to your inner wisdom. I believe we all have our inner compass. And so, for example, when you're actually doing something and something tells you, don't do that, you're going to hit your toe. Don't, you know, that little voice, you need to listen to it because when you don't, what happens? You hit your toe on the end of the coffee table. Um, that little voice that tells you, don't carry all those things in your hand because something's about to drop. Yeah. But no, you go ahead and carry all those things in. I think that my biggest thing for learning your truth is listen to that inner small voice. Because you know what? I truly believe that inner song voice already knows where you're headed and where you're going. And yeah. if you listen to that, you can make your journey more fulfilling. Yeah. And you could succeed in your own definition of success. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, Thank I, you. I think for me, mine would be when it, especially within mental health is I know it's easy to look for validation within others, but people come and go, if they go, your validation's gone. So you should only <laughs> validate yourself because yeah. you've got to live with you for the rest of your life. You are you for the rest of You're the only person you have to live with, basically. Now, that doesn't give you permission. I'm not saying that gives you permission to go do something stupid or, you know, jump off a building or something like that. I'm not saying that. But it is you have to look for the validation within yourself. And if you can't validate yourself, that's where your journey begins. Because if you're looking into yourself and you're like, you know what, I can't validate myself at the moment. You've got to ask yourself why. And that 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 is the, the, the hardest question of all. Why? Why do I feel like this? Why do I not feel like I'm worth this? It's a hard question to ask yourself, but with that gives you the validation and the confidence within yourself to know, you know what, I'm not okay now, but I will be soon. Yes. I, I think another point would be, another point would be when you're seeking this you are going to make mistakes along the way like you're in if you're developing yourself your own mental health your own well-being you are going to go down 50 million pathways to figure out if it's correct now that is if you do it on your own do it with support groups look for something outside of yourself um, like religion or uh, spiritual beings or, or anything like that if it works for you as an individual know what, what everybody says and a lot of people might say it sounds very like hippy dippy and a bit duck please don't it is down to you it is your life and your own self being you need to take into account what helps you and I think my last point would be 
I'm going to have to second Joe on Latrenda. Listen to that inner voice. Because they're there. There is a little you inside of you going, will you please listen to me? Very true. Will you please? It might just be the tiniest squeak at the beginning. And that squeak might even be inaudible. But I can uh-huh. guarantee you, the more you find your validation, the more you look into yourself and help yourself grow and, and overcome either mental health issues or just that challenge. Like you said, like your challenge doesn't stop you. It's just something, it's an obstacle. You've just got to find a way to climb over that bugger. You know, you've got to, you, 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 I've lost my train of thought on that one, but I got so passionate. Sorry, I got lost yeah. on it. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it is, it's all for that inner voice. There you go. I found it again. In, in for your inner <laughs> voice is that there is always something. If you don't feel is right, I can guarantee you there'll be something inside of you that goes, no, no, do not do that. Whatever it is, stop. I will, I will bet you my life on that. That voice is correct. And I'm sure Latrenda can second that one. Yes. That voice is screaming at you to say, listen, you know, it's like there's spotlights and everything. Don't do that, you know, or don't go there right now. Do this. It's just the same voice that at the last minute, you have a to-do list and you forgot something to this and you get that reminder. That's that inner voice saying, and you know you forgot to pick up the dry cleaning, you know you need it in the morning, you know? Um, it's always that inner comp on that path. And like you said, you will have failures. You will have experiences that you didn't welcome in your life, but there are lessons to be learned. You can get through it and you will get through it. I, I it's, just, it's just having that healthy cup of mental health, as you say. <laughs> I, I just want to point out one thing because I've just realized how easily that can be misconstrued. I've just realized that there is an inner voice that tells you when something feels wrong, but don't confuse it with fear because it's yes. going to be it's going to be scary. But I can probably guarantee that even if it's scary, you'll still have a voice going, well, it's scary, but we know there's something good at the other side. That inner voice will generally tell you, but... Don't get it confused with fear, because fear will tell you outright, no matter what you do out of your comfort zone, it's going to go, nope, 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 we're not doing that. But there will always be, just just sit and quiet and listen to yourself and go, yeah, I'm scared of this. This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling fear within me. But that little voice uh-huh. is saying, before Andrew was saying no, or he was saying no, because it's it doesn't feel right. The little voice is going, at the other side of that is good. Not just good for me, but good for those around and my life. Maybe I need to look at that. To I'm just pointing out, don't get confused with fear because it would be so easy to do so. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought I'd put that in as well. Yeah, I, that's very true because fear comes from like I'm, I don't deserve it. You know, I'm not worthy. So you had this goal you want to accomplish, but fear to me comes in like second guess your strengths your abilities it comes in i'm not deserving i'm not worthy um no one will feel that i'm worthy to speak on this stage you know no one feel i'm worthy enough to write this book mm-hmm. um and so that that's more of that fear yeah. fear comes when it's, it's it's based on this thing is scary you know your inner critic is like 
no, you don't need to do that. You know, it wants to bring all the negative emotions back. You know, so when you have that fear moment, it's bringing all these negative things and all of these things that will keep you from where you want to go. Yeah. So when that fear and you realize, okay, this is where I want to go to point B and I'm at A, I have to go through this fear to get there. And, and so you know what, fear, I appreciate you showing up, but thank you to let me know I should go ahead with it. Because that little voice will back you up. That little voice will go, God damn, this is scary, but we're going in anyway. Put your helmet on, we're going straight in for it. And, yeah. and, that general, and I'll be honest, I've done some stuff in my life that I would have thought I could never see happening. It's too scary. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I mean, especially once I became a mother, I became very cautious of everything. But, yeah. <laughs> but that little voice has always been... And I, it's got louder as I've got older and listened to myself more. But that little voice is going, you know what? You'll be all right. You'll be all oh, right. Yeah. And I, my new, my, I'll tell you my new mantra at the moment if you want to know it. Yes, my, sure. My new mantra at the moment is have faith in your feet. Mm. Because. I like that. You're always, you're like, just one step in front of the other. Faith in your feet. Because. You don't fear, you don't have, you, you know, you're not going to fall when you walk. You learned that as a kid, like you walk one step in front of the other. You don't, you never fear that you're going to fall down unless you trip over something. But essentially you have faith in your feet that you take one foot in front of the other. And that's a faith that you do unconditionally. You don't even think about it. So if you have to think about something else and you're worried, have faith in your feet. Because you just take one step in front of the other. And that faith is unconditional faith. Because you never think, well, my feet are not going to work. Or, you know, I'm never going to, like, not be able to do this. So, yes, I know that that could exclude people that don't walk or all that. But we'll go for wheels. Your wheels are always going to turn. And you always have faith that they're going to go. And that's the whole point is, that is the faith, that unconditional faith. And if you are worried or concerned and are wavering on the faith within yourself have faith in your feet one foot's going to go yeah. in front of the other yeah and, and as you take that step by step that one foot in front of the other you understand that you may fall down right we can walk but we may stumble however you keep going that feet is still going you're going to get up and you keep going. So failure can happen when you're trying something new or you're trying to overcome your fear. But you learn from those experiences and you get up and you do it better. Well, let's face it. When, think, you, when you fall down, like, you know, you fall down, a kid falls down on the, you know, you pick them up. Mm -hmm. You don't have, you don't yeah. worry that they're not going to be able to stand again. You pick them up, back on the feet and off you go. You never yes. have faith in your feet. So if yes. you're worried, it's one step at a time, faith in your feet. Yes. I love it. I love your new mantra. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, I discovered it on rock climbing uh, yesterday. Some bits were difficult, but I was like, faith in my feet and just carried on. That's beautiful. I saw your beautiful picture, so <laughs> congratulations on that rock climbing. <laughs> it's a beautiful place, beautiful place to meditate, I can tell you that. Um, so we are coming down to the end. So, um, Latrenda, is there anything you'd like to add? I would just like to add with the cup of mental health is to really take time with yourself, love yourself, 
Take time for your own mental well-being. It's very important to be able to have a grounding so that when life challenges happen or fear comes up on your road to success, that you take time for your own mental health. I completely agree. Um, so, Latrenda, if anybody wanted to find you, how would they find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Latrenda George. Also, you can find me on my website, uh, latrendageorge.com. And uh, I'm on Facebook, um, Download Your Truth. It's my uh, book page. And so, please reach out. We'd love to talk to everyone. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Lynn. And uh, for everybody that's listening, I'd like to say good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Couple With. And they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others. And some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories. And that's what it's all about. Talking about people's stories over a cup of tea. And having those open conversations. So, like I say, if you like, share, subscribe, rate. That's all appreciated. And thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us.